David Hayden Adams on the podcast. Took us a while to get him. He's here. Uh, what'd you think? What I what did I think? Yeah, the it's cool to hear a DeFi builder articulate the purpose of building DeFi apps on Ethereum because there are many different things that you can build on Ethereum, but there are only a much smaller subset of those things can actually represent the Ethereum values. And Hayden, when I asked Hayden, like, why do you think Ethereum or Uniswap had so much success? It's because, well, because we are resonant with Ethereum itself. And this is something that I've been trying to beat this drum for a while now. I think I wrote about this in my Ethereum and the emergent structure uh, article where I, I made this claim that like the applications that resonate with Ethereum that are the things that Ethereum wants, which are the things that don't sacrifice any of Ethereum's values, naturally receives tailwinds. Uh, and we saw that with the, the early adoption of uh, MakerDAO, which used ETH as sound money, as collateral in, in MakerDAO. And then we immediately saw that right afterwards with Uniswap, which you know sacrificed nothing about Ethereum's decentralization or non-custodial nature, and also used Ether as a trading pair. Uh, and so uh, the, the lesson, the takeaway lesson for me was that if you're building something on Ethereum, the more light, the more resonant you can get with the values of what makes Ethereum valuable, gives you tailwinds. And while perhaps maybe that's not actually the optimal strategy in bull markets, adhering to Ethereum values is what keeps you alive during bear markets. Uh, and that will, will keep your, your fire going no matter what. Uh, having resonance with Ethereum is, is I, I think, a way to protect yourself against all sorts of just like, you know, strife or difficulty coming your way as a builder on Ethereum. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the way he articulated at the end, which is basically like he, he said, um, it's not an inevitable outcome that crypto ends up being a uh, decentralized, trustless, good system for the world, right? That mm -hmm. outcome is not inevitable. If we want that outcome to happen, we have to build for it. We have mm -hmm. to fight for it. We have Steward to believe it. in it. We have to, we have to use it. You know, I'm a, like a sucker when, like for, for people who talk in this way, that there is a higher purpose to what we're building beyond kind of the temporary like specula uh, speculation and price mm -hmm. pumping and all of these things. And, you know, Hayden talked about that, right? You know, maybe that's why it's so resonant to me to talk to someone like Hayden, because um not all DeFi applications on Ethereum speak this way. Many sort mm -hmm. of, you know, hedge their bets, right? It's um, Ethereum values, but also if if users and capital markets prefer this other more centralized version of Ethereum, then then we'll kind of go there. But um, Hayden and the mission of Uniswap thus far has been fairly resolute. This very clear vision that we are building an open, decentralized, permissionless system, and down to kind of the Oracle design as a public good, to a decision to deploy on an Ethereum layer two like Optimism, rather than scattershot across all of these other chains. Um, I think those those values are really manifest. I I was interested though what in what he would say about um, the open source uh, position that they've taken. So they basically created like Uniswap right. V3 under a time delayed open source. So for two years, it's not really open source. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after two years, it becomes open source. Uh, and, you know, he started that by saying that they were very um, like open source friendly and they, they very much believed 
in open source and that eventually this would become open source. But at the same time, he, he also said that like the reason we don't want this to be fully open source from day one was almost like to protect Uniswap token holders, I suppose. Right. The Uniswap community mm -hmm. doesn't want it was his argument. And the second was that um, we don't want to give advantages. He, he specifically, I counted the times he named Binance. He named Binance chain like twice when he was talking about license. So it was almost like... Um, in order to be a steward of a system, a decentralized system that we want in the future, we don't want to give advantages to the mm -hmm. next pancake swap that's just going to deploy right. Uniswap v3 in Binance Smart Chain. I'm not sure what I think about that argument, but it is an interesting argument to make that is at least aligned with um, how he, he talked about the values of decentralization. Yeah, there is something private about that license, right? It's making Uniswap v3 code private to Uni token holders. And that's a private good when in theory, Uniswap itself and what Ethereum is good for is creating global public goods. So that's that's a little bit odd. But also, if you trust in this in the sense that Uni token holders are doing and, and Uniswap itself is good for Ethereum due to the values that it instantiates. I guess privately protecting that for a limited time works out in the long term. And yeah, you're you're totally right about Hayden. Hayden's not going after this this the license in from from Hayden's perspective and what makes sense to me is like this was not to protect Uniswap from SushiSwap. Like you like what you said, this was to protect Uniswap from and SushiSwap isn't even a physically instantiated LLC. Like if they did fork Uniswap code, where who would they even go after? Because it's just it's really just a DAO. Uh, but that's not what Binance is, and that's not what you know Pancake Swap is. That they had there, those are real instantiated companies somewhere. While Binance is much less instantiated than Coinbase, it's still instantiated in the real world. Uh, and so I think making sure that that this technology stays inside of the Ethereum ecosystem with a time delay of two years is perhaps a good long-term move. Yeah. The other thing while we're on the subject of SushiSwap, uh, Hayden made the comment that there, there was no financial uh, decision mm -hmm. on a token. There was no final decision rather on a token before SushiSwap. So right. Uniswap had this. That was always a rumor. I didn't know if that was true or not. Oh, he confirmed it. Um, yeah. And mm -hmm. So basically, that there was always this idea of a Uni token, but um, Sushi bringing it to market actually forced Uniswap's hand. And retrospectively, like and he said, it was a very busy three weeks. So this must have happened over a very short uh, time span that the Uniswap team kind of reacted to this and accelerated their plans to put out a token. It was a catalyst for them putting out their token. And retrospectively, like it was a it was a great decision. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know the 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 Uni token, its distribution, four point five billion, David, right. five hundred thousand different. Uh, no, so it was roughly roughly half a billion dollars at the time of distribution. Yes, to just over a hundred thousand people. Okay, right, exactly. So, um, like this is like it. This really catalyzed the community and brought more support for the Uni token mm -hmm. and. He, he also couched SushiSwap versus Uniswap as, as not really competitors, right? So right. again, this thing was reiterated that um, SushiSwap actually drove more liquidity to Uniswap and vice versa. So that was all very interesting. Yeah, at the same time, it felt to me like um, Uniswap and Hayden, maybe in particular, they are aggressively trying to win this market. Like they are aggressively trying to dominate here. 
right? So <laughs> this, this infinite ability to create any price curve in Uniswap V3 is a, a direct attack in some ways on existing price curves like, like Curve. At least it's right. gonna, if it's successful, it would absorb all of the liquidity uh, from mm -hmm. Curve potentially. And you kind of wonder what other AMMs are going to do in response to this. So that, that, that was interesting as well, that they are definitely uh, coming to play and coming to win. Yeah. And that's because there's real value at stake, right? Like winning seems to be like a very competitive zero sum thinking game, but it's, it's zero. It's, it's trying to win the pie for something that is a public good. Right. And so there's, and perhaps curve could also make the claim that the, that claim that it is also a public good. Um, but for some reason, Uniswap just seems like the more public, more goodierist uh, than, <laughs> than curve um, for, for lack of a technical term. Uh, and uh, you're totally the, the other interesting thing about like Uniswap values is it puts tailwinds behind it. So it's received some of the best talent there is available to it. Uh, Paradigm has seeded Uniswap with tons of good, talented minds. Um, Dan Robinson, I know, has been very involved with uh, how Uniswap V3 should be designed. Um, and I'm sure like other people like Georgios and Samzy Sun are also at least somewhat involved with the design of Uniswap V3. The brightest minds in DeFi, brightest minds in crypto, but brightest minds in Ethereum, all putting effort behind Uniswap V3. Um, Perhaps this is a social structure. This is an institution, Uniswap V3, that lasts until the very end of our lifetimes or in the end end of like meaningful human time. So long as wow, human, that's pretty, uh, as long as Ethereum is heavy. around until the heat death of the universe. Until the heat death of the universe, <laughs> Uniswap V3. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, like yes, at, I all of that's all, I guess all of that's possible. But so um, you know, the the thing that's interesting though is that they're when this darwinian you know kind of ecosystem of all of these liquidity robots fight who ends up winning is uh defi writ large i mean he he definitely painted the picture of hey the true competitors are coinbase or binance or others they're, they're not other defi protocols and he also said that you know binance chain and binance the centralized exchange are, are kind of one in the same so at some level yeah uniswap is coming to win but they're, they're they're kind of coming to win for defi they're sort of defi's champion right um before uniswap let's be honest david i thought decentralized exchanges were kind of a failure like okay well that's not a use case that will work right. on DeFi. These order book mm -hmm. exchanges, centralized exchanges have completely decimated order book yeah. exchanges. And here comes the unicorn, you know, charging in, mm -hmm. uh, get, get, getting more volume than Coinbase in, you know, two years time. Like I'm cheering that on because this is what we want. This is the kind of financial system we're, we're all building towards. So I think that makes everyone who embraces these values kind of cheer on the unicorn. Uh, and by the way, it's probably why they're, we didn't ask about their mascot, where that came from. I don't know if you know anything about that. Do you know where the... Well, other than the fact that Ethereum just loves unicorns for some reason, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think that's what it is. Just uni swap. Uh, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Um, going through this episode with Hayden, we talked about like, you know, because Uniswap started in 2018 and uh, the, the idea got supplanted in uh, Hayden's mind in 2017. But I actually can't remember why I was so bullish on Ethereum back in 2017 because we didn't have MakerDAO. We didn't have Uniswap. We didn't have Compound. I don't know what Aave was. Gollum. Like, I, you accept I can't... that Gollum. <laughs> what? Do you remember that project? No? No. Decentralized uh, compute? Gollum? Okay. 
oh, like raiding. Yes, 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 like yes, these- yes, yes. Gollum. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Like, yeah, decentralized computer. Augur, like yeah, many of these. I guess so. Very original protocols. It was just all in my. It was all in my brain, like all my imagination. It's like, here's what Ethereum can be, and I and I guess that makes more sense as to why people have been so skeptical, skeptical, uh, skeptical on Ethereum. Is like. Well, what is it? And back in back in 2017, we didn't really have much to show for. We only had ideas. And Uniswap is the instantiation of a really good idea that we've all we will always be able to point to and say, like, this is what Ethereum does. Well, can I ask you a question? Like, hmm. why is this stuff not uh, reaching mainstream exposure yet? Like, why isn't Hayden Adams being interviewed by MSNBC, CNBC, Barbara Walters? you know, mm-hmm. 60 minutes, all of this, right? Like think about what, what has just happened. I like, I don't understand why this DeFi narrative, like, I mean, th- this is one of the fastest, if you call Uniswap a startup, which you probably wouldn't, maybe it's a protocol, but like, if you call it a startup, it's one of the fastest growing startups ever, like, and no one's talking about it outside of our circles, outside of crypto mm-hmm. circles. Outside, like why? I, I guess it's, well, there's some there i don't think there's one reason it's it's a very hard subject like our our conversation with aiden was two and a half hours and that last 45 minutes or maybe even less than that that last 30 minutes was all about like the values of ethereum people are like what are we going to do go on to cnbc and talk about the values of things (laughs) like well no they want to talk about the value of assets not the values but even that in itself david is a huge story Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Uniswap gave out billions of dollars, airdrop mm-hmm. billions of dollars to people. Like, Boop. and that happened in September, 2020. Mm-hmm. And no one's talking about it. Right. And to, to this day, yeah, no one's talking about it. When like that half a billion dollars turned into almost $5 billion, so long as you held your tokens, hopefully you held your tokens. I just um, feel like, like so um, what, what has escaped in mainstream is Bitcoin. What has escaped mm-hmm. more recently is NFTs. But DeFi mm-hmm. is still this yep. underground story. And Uniswap right. still remains as probably the most successful DeFi project. Uh, it still remains this underground story. I'm just waiting for the rest of the world to discover right discover this thing yeah do you think there'll be like this future class of people that you know the people that received the uni airdrop <laughs> as I soon as know. this story makes I mean, it out it's like oh i'm one, like i'm one of the people that got the uniswap airdrop and there's only a hundred thousand of these people out in the world did you all get... of a sudden these groups of people are just like known so apple shares fa- f- yeah like yeah imagine, imagine like oh yeah I, I bought apple shares back in like 1997 and like that's just who i am i, I was one of those people that bought apple in the 90s yeah, and is this is almost like, is? yeah, it's this is almost, and all of this happened like Google kind of IPO'd, but it IPO'd after a lot of the gains were made privately by private investors, right? This is mm-hmm. IPOing like much earlier, I think, in right. the life cycle of the thing. So I, I don't know. I do think that there will be a story. It will escape to mainstream. This will be sort of a, um, I don't know, Hay- Hayden himself almost reminds me, David, a little bit of like the the AMM version of Vitalik, right? And kind of like mm. the way he speaks and even the way he sort of explains ideas and conceptualizes ideas, that the conversation we just had reminded me a little bit of a conversation we've had with Vitalik. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you got that similar vibe. Obviously, Hayden's his own person too, but I got kind of a vibe there. Yeah, well, so Hay- Hayden is really close friends with Carl, who's really close friends with Vitalik. There's, there's just like a, a group of uh, these... I don't know. I wouldn't know how to, how to categorize them as one homogenous category. It's not really something that the you ETH can mafia. Do, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> the etherati, yeah, uh, yeah, more or less, who are who are all heads down building, trying to build something that is a social structure that allows humans to operate inside of their values that they hold, um, and it's important. Well, um, David, I know it's been a really exhausting day for us mm-hmm. both. We had we've been recording almost all day. We had Hester Pierce on mm-hmm. this morning. At the time we're doing mm-hmm. this debrief, we had a three, almost a three hour episode with Hayden, two and a half hours. So I'm yep. pretty tired. We, we still have a roll up to do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the last thing I'll, I'll say about uh, about Uniswap is that people are are contrasting Uniswap with Coinbase, saying like, "Oh, Coinbase is going public." What is it going to go public at? $80 billion. We think you and I, Ryan, we think it's going to go public at over $100 billion. And then there, I've been, a, there was a question for Brian Armstrong that he did in a Reddit Q&A where he, uh, he was asked, like, are you going to be able to sell Coinbase shares on Coinbase, right? Uh, and he said, no, we can't do that because of Sad. regulations. We have to do Sad. it on the New York Stock Exchange. In contrast, in stark contrast, Uniswap just gives equity to its users organically straight through the Ethereum protocol. Like if that doesn't explain to you what the future of finance is, I don't know what does. You can't call it equity though, right? Can't call it, yeah, yeah. This is technically, sure, whatever. Meaningfully, this is what's, it is. This is what's so strange, right? Just kind of that we had the uh, a SEC commissioner on the same day that we had Hayden Adams. I don't know, there's... There's something weird about that in my mind. There's some kind of juxtaposition there that's very interesting, but also doesn't mm-hmm. make sense at the same time. Hopefully regulation does catch up um, or crypto just becomes so fundamental to the world that um, they're kind of like forced into these, these new definitions and new positions. That's my hope, David. I think that's it for the debrief, man. That's a wrap. All right. <laughs>